Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the unstoppable God and that you include us to be part of your unstoppable mission. Heavenly Father, please help me now to speak your word clearly tonight. And we pray that you will grow us in how we're to serve you, that you will grow us in how we're to live our lives for you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's nice when things run perfectly, yeah, where everything fits together, and when there's peace, where things go where they're meant to go. And if you've been with us on our journey through the book of Acts, we've seen the early church take shape. And apart from the episode with Ananias and Sapphira that's in the first part of chapter 5, the early church as a whole appears to be perfect where there hasn't been any tensions or conflict, but instead there's, a, there's people in this church who deeply love and deeply care for each other. However, it doesn't take long for an issue to come up that has the potential to divide the church and derail it from its mission of growing God's kingdom. You see, this side of heaven, there's no such thing as a perfect church. Because it's made up of imperfect people. And for us, we're no different. Because we're all imperfect. And there's going to be times when other issues will come that possibly derail us. What do we do when that happens? Well, in tonight's passage, we'll see what the apostles do. And we'll see how God wants us to respond when things like that happen. Uh, so tonight, we're going to see three things. We're going to see, firstly, uh, the problem that affected the church in Acts 6, and secondly, the solution, and thirdly, the result. Uh, but let's have a look at the problem. Uh, verse 1 sets the scene for us. Uh, please read verse 1 with me. It says this, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And now what we see here is two groups. The Hellenistic Jews, who were Jews who were brought up outside of Israel, where their mother tongue was Greek. And then there was the Hebraic Jews, who were brought up in Israel, whose mother's tongue uh, was Hebrew or Aramaic. And the problem came up that as the church was growing, the ministry of providing food for widows was breaking down. Where the Greek widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution, while the Hebrew widows were still getting their fair share. So now there's this tension within the church family and tempers are flaring up. Now this wasn't primarily a racial issue because if it was, the apostles would have rebuked them for it. Now this is, was actually an administrative issue. It came out because the, the church was getting so big that the current administration process for this food ministry, it just couldn't cope with the numbers and people were falling through the cracks. And this issue had the potential to become a humongous problem. 
Because not only could it divide the church, but it could stop the church in its tracks with regards to its mission. Well, the apostles have a meeting to work out a solution. That's our second point. Uh, And please check out what the apostles say first as they work out a solution to this problem. Uh, Please read verse 2 with me. It says this. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now, first glance, just from the words that are translated here, it just appears that the apostles, they don't want to get their hands dirty with this food distribution thing because they see food distribution as unimportant. That's what it looks like at first when we see the word wait on tables. But can I say that our translation actually lets us down a little bit here because the word wait, and when we read that, we're thinking... And the apostles don't want to stoop down, don't want to wear an apron, don't be waiters for these widows. That's what we read into that word wait, like a waiter. But the actual word used here is the exact same word used just a few words before, the word ministry, as in the ministry of the word. So the apostles are actually saying, we shouldn't neglect the ministry of the word in order to do the ministry of the tables. Do you see what the apostles are saying? They see this food distribution. This is actually ministry, the ministry of the tables. This is important. And it happens alongside the ministry of the word. And so that's why uh, their proposed solution in verse 3 actually makes a lot of sense because the apostles want to make sure that the problem is solved well. Uh, Please read verse 3 with me of the apostles' proposed solution. Verse 3. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. You see, the apostles didn't see this problem as a minor one, where they just could get anyone just to deal with it. No, no, they saw that the ministry of the tables as so important that they wanted high-quality people to have responsibility for the solution. So that's why they, they chose seven men, as we see in the text, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom... In effect, they were looking for people who are like themselves. People who are serious about following Jesus. People who are serious about the word. But not only that, all these seven men are actually Greek. As all the guys who are selected, they've got Greek names. It actually shows the church's sensitive awareness in dealing with this issue. To ensure the unity in caring for both the Greeks and the Hebraic widows. Uh, Now let me just pause here just to make a couple of observations of this thing that we call ministry. Now the the word ministry is that ministry of teaching and preaching God's word, the Bible. And can I say the word ministry is actually the foundation for all 
other ministries that happen in our church community. It's central to everything we do as it informs what we do and informs why we do it. You see, it's through the word ministry that lives and hearts are changed so that other ministry can happen. So it's through the word ministry that we're given the right motivation to do other ministry. It's a motivation that's not self-promoting or driven by guilt, but instead a motivation that makes serving a joy. Now because word ministry is the foundation for all other ministry, well, that's why the apostles made the point that they won't neglect this ministry in order to do other ministry. Now, the apostles knew that the word ministry was a ministry that they were called to, a ministry that Jesus himself had told them that was to be their first priority as he told them back in Acts chapter 1. So it wasn't that the social work was beneath them. No, it's rather it's not being distracted from their own priority task. You see, the apostles didn't want the, the good to get in the way of the best. For these apostles, the main thing for them was to keep the main thing the main thing. And in the same way, word ministry here in our church family is to be the basis of our life. Now, word ministry doesn't just happen from the pulpit here on Sunday or at growth group during the week. Word ministry happens before church, after church, over dinner. And can I say that's why dinner is such an important ministry? Because it facilitates the continuation of word ministry to happen as we speak God's word to each other in our conversations afterwards. Not to mention, dinner is the time where we actually grow our relationships so that we can have the relationship base to speak God's word into each other's lives. And so everything we do as a church family will either work together with word ministry or be an outworking of the word ministry. Now, the other thing we see in this passage is the principle of multiplication, where it isn't going to be an either-or situation, where we have to choose to do one and not to do the other. No, it's actually a both-and situation, where we want both ministries to happen, where the apostles can still give their full attention to the ministry of prayer and the word, while at the same time, raise up more people for ministry so that the other ministry can happen. So the thing we see here is actually the importance of teamwork, of delegation, of involving more people in ministry. Because the apostles, they recognize that they have limits. They can't do everything. But instead they, fo- they want to focus on doing a few things and to do focus on doing those few things well. And so they recognize that they need others so that everything that's needed for growing God's kingdom can be done. And here at Abbotsford, it's actually no different. The elders and the staff, they know they've got limits. We know we can't do everything by ourselves to grow God's kingdom here in the inner west. So part of the multiplication and delegation strategy that we see here in Acts 6... Well, please know that 
everyone in our church family is to play a part in growing God's kingdom according to the gifts that God has given you. And because he has given us all different abilities and different gifts, well, he's actually equipped each one of us to play some part in the ministry. And I reckon Christmas at Abbotsford last week was a great showcase of that as you saw people be involved in different ways and different roles. But you know, even though we may have all different roles, there's one thing that's the same. And that's our personal relationship with God. You see, because for all of us, that's where serving starts. It's the basis for how we're to serve him. And when you think about looking back at the passage in Acts 6, it's like the chosen seven. It was like a prerequisite for serving, to be filled with the Spirit, to be filled with wisdom. And we see Stephen there later on. Having a, he's a man full of faith. It's all about having a growing relationship with God. You see, our activity that we do for God can actually only properly flow from a life with God. But that's the thing. It's actually so easy for us to actually sometimes define our relationship with God by what we do, as opposed to who we are in Christ. It can be a trap to, for us when we serve. In, we serve in order to feel closer to God or to grow our relationship with God. But we have to remember, it's actually the other way. Where it starts with our relationship with God. With God shaping us by His Word, by grounding our identity in His love and in His grace. And it's from that ministry will come about. Because the thing is, if we don't get the order right, then our sense of worth and our sense of validation will actually gradually shift from God's unconditional love for us to our works and performance. And it won't be long before the joy of serving will get eroded. So whether you're serving in some capacity or not, the big question I need to ask you tonight is, how's your relationship with God going? Are you growing in your relationship with God through his word? Now, the natural outworking of your relationship with God would be to serve him. And can I say, if you're here and you are part of our church family, and you're not serving God in a huge capacity at the moment or in any capacity at all, can I please invite you to prayerfully consider being part of God's mission here, to go on a journey, to discover the gifts God has given you, and to be involved in some way with us, so that through you, God's kingdom can continue to grow here in the inner west. If you want to find out more of how you can serve... Uh, there's this yellow handout that's on the back pew there as well. Um, actually, this is a list of how you can be involved in our church family. And I'll encourage you to maybe pick it up and think over these holidays how you might be able to serve God next year. But can I say, I'm actually going to talk about this yellow sheet in more detail after summer church next year regarding our church family. But can I say, 
as the year comes to a close, well, tonight may be a good night to actually stop and prayerfully assess how you are serving God and His people here. Because some of you here may be someone who is actually doing a lot. And like the apostles, you might have to think about doing less so that you can do a few things and do them well. Or you could be someone who's here who's not serving God that much. And like the seven who was chosen in Acts 6, well, God may be wanting you to step up into a new role so that the multiplication effect can happen here in our church family. Either way, I invite you to prayerfully consider and reflect how you might serve God here at Abbotsford next year. And the second thing I want to talk about is this thing called ministry. Because the thing is, it isn't just confined to what we do on a Sunday. And it doesn't only just apply to what we do within the context of the church family. Uh, the word ministry there, the, what we see in Acts 6, is actually the generic word for the word service. So it's the word we use for all types of serving. Whether it's pastoral, whether it's social, whether it's political, whether it's economical, or medical. You see, it's got a very wide range. It's a very generic word. So it means the expression of that we sometimes use called full-time Christian ministry. That's not meant to be restricted to those who are paid staff of a church. Because if you're a Christian, you're a full-time Christian. And your ministry is exercised in all aspects of your life. Which not only includes how you serve your here at church, but it will be involved, include your work, your home life, your study. And as we enter these next few weeks in the lead up to Christmas, well, some of those things will ramp down like work and study, or other things will ramp up like family gatherings and Christmas parties. So can I say, even during this festive season, hey, that's ministry too as we look to serve others in whatever context we find ourselves. Ministry will be seen in the shopping of presents, preparing the Christmas meal, writing cards of encouragement, spending time with family and friends. You see, all Christians are called to ministry, which according to the Bible, therefore all Christians are ministers. You see, I'm not the only minister in the room here. Because God has called each one of us, as a Christian, to serve Jesus. And that will be seen seven days a week, not just one. Can I ask you, is that how you view what you do day to day? That in whatever you do, even when you're on holiday you're ultimately serving Jesus. Now, let me encourage you, as you go out this week, in whatever you're about to do, see it as your ministry, as you live your life with the mentality that you're serving Jesus with what you do, because you actually are. Now, getting back to our passage in Acts, um, how did the multiplication effect work out for the early church? Well, this is our third point, uh, the result. 
Please look with me with verse 7 as it spells out what happened next. Verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. As a direct result of the apostles multiplying themselves and delegating social work, what we see here is the word of God spread. God's kingdom rapidly increased uh, to the point that a lot of the priests, and that is the people who were initially against the apostles, they were actually becoming Christians now. Uh, What we're seeing here is that the word of God is stepping up a notch and is doing amazing work in all levels of society in Jerusalem. Again, it's just showing us what we've been seeing in the book of Acts. God's mission is unstoppable. So as we step back and see what's happening in this part of the early church's history, we see that they encountered natural growing pains. But from that, they adapted and changed, and that resulted in more growth. And so in a sense, the problem that they encountered was an actually opportunity for them to change and grow. And as they maintained their focus of what was important, as they didn't lose sight of their mission, well, God used them greatly to grow his kingdom. And as we look to keep growing God's kingdom here in the inner west, there'll be times when we're going to be confronted with problems and challenges There'll be times when we'll disagree with each other. There'll be times with how we do things in our church family. It won't work out as well as it did before. But when those times come, or just like we see in Acts 6, we're to see it as an opportunity for us to change, for us to grow, for us to work together, and together step up to the challenge as we keep on growing as people who follow Jesus. And you know, it's actually when God changes us and grows us in this way that he'll use us in really big ways to help more and more people come to know the one who we're going to celebrate this Christmas. Will you please join me as I pray? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for how your word reveals to us your amazing love. We thank you for the Lord Jesus who died for us, who saved us from our sin, who saved us from our brokenness. Heavenly Father, we confess there are times when we don't live our lives in response of what you've done for us. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will grow us by your spirit, that you give us your wisdom to be ministers that serve you with all our lives. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll be with us as a church family, that you'll keep changing us and growing us, and that you'll help us to always stay focused on the proclamation of your word and your mission, and we pray that you'll use us to grow your kingdom here in the inner west and beyond. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.